it's halfway through the year. How are you getting on with your reading? Oh, well, let me just consult my book records reading journal. I I think it's going pretty well. I seem to be blitzing through the book bingo challenge. Um, obviously, I haven't ticked the classic box, which I think is what I'm going to have to aim to do. <laughs> um, how are you getting on with the alphabet challenge? Loads of the books I've been reading start with the letter T. So I think I really need to find some books which start with other letters of the alphabet. It's making me pick this up. I'm just reading through some of my favourite quotes that I've made a note of on the review pages. And I do love them. Yeah, that's my favourite page to come back to. And from the flowchart, the books that are looking most likely to be my favourite of the year are We All Want Impossible Things and Romantic Comedy. But we're only halfway through the year, so it's still all to play for. And if you need a bit of encouragement to read more or just to read different types of books, then the Book Records Reading Journal is perfect for you because it's undated, which means you can start it whenever. It doesn't matter that it's not January. Halfway through the year is a perfect opportunity. Get yours at www.bookrecords.com forward slash shop. between the pages. I'm Jess and I'm Lauren and we're the pals behind Book Records. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. We are flying through the year and so it is time to wrap up June and find out what we've read and enjoyed. Today we'll be discussing Nisha Doylan's book The Happy Couple along with Juno Dawson's HMRC sequel and still life. Hello, Lauren. How do you summarize your June in three words, please? Oh, I'm going to go for busy, hot, and broke. Is that a word? I'm really poor. Yeah, yeah. I think that's adding to my on and off stomaching okay my three words which I haven't prepared even though I thought <laughs> of this question for you I'm going to go through the motions that I've gone mm. through in June so it was ride the wave it was great went on holiday such good vibes came home from holiday and then it was healthy nice. I was lifting so heavy in the gym I've only been eating salads for lunch which is helped by the heat you know it's going really well and yeah. now it's anxious. I, since the beginning of this week, have just felt sick on and off all the time. And I first was blaming the storms and I had this little <laughs> theory going because quite a few people I know were like, oh, I just feel really weird. Oh, I feel really down. I feel really mm. down. I was like, it's the storms. It's the thunder. It's all the extra yeah. pressure in the air. And now it's not thundering anymore. I'm like, so what is it? There is still a lot of pressure in the air and it's summer solstice. So that's like a big time, isn't it? In life and the planets and... Yes. Knocking me over. Oh my God, Lauren, I didn't tell you this. The other week, I like couldn't get a sentence out. Loads of shit was going wrong. And so I Googled... (laughs) What's going on with the planets? I Googled, 
is Mercury in retrograde. And the first thing that popped up was this website that was like, it's not in retrograde. You can't believe it for everything going wrong in your life. And I was like, wow, didn't need that. But, but um, is it in retrograde now? Maybe that's the start. No, it's not. I'm sorry. Fuck. Sorry. Mm. But I think it's just like too much stress, too much going on, too much summer solstice, you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I June's been that. a ride. <laughs> it went really quickly as well. Like, I, yeah. And I say boring saying this, isn't it? Because I feel like we say this at the in every wrap up episode. Mm. But we both went on holiday at the beginning of June. I know. That was a feels like a very, very long time ago. Long time ago. Very, very long time ago. How was your holiday? Obviously, hope- we've spoken about it, but the listeners don't know. <laughs> it was very nice. I went to Tuscany, traveled around. We went for seven days and in seven days we visited eight places and stayed in five. So it was very busy. But it was beautiful, went wine tasting, yeah, just a really good vibe. And then just went to Dublin last weekend to see Paolo Nettini, which was also great, great vibe, which is also why I'm very, very broke. Mm, oh, of course, you went. You were jet-setting twice. Yeah. Carbon footprint's big this month. <laughs> what about your holiday? Mine was the opposite of yours, which is exactly what I intended it to be, which was... Airbnb in the south of France with a pool, self-catered, very low key. The focus was to read books and get a tan. And that's exactly what I did. Love that for you. Yeah. Yeah. It was on like a book a day. It was fantastic. Oh, wow. Yeah. I am my, uh, my, because work was so busy in May. I read fuck all in May. Hmm. Uh, But June, I've picked things back up again and I've read seven books in June. So I'm very, very pleased with my efforts there very good yeah actually in my reading journal my books for may i read six and it like took up half of our like double page spread where you can mm-hmm. like almost like the title page for the month and so i was like oh do you know what i'm just gonna do june's here because that's the whole point of our journals is that it's very flexible use them however you want and then i had already read six books in the first week and i was like oh hmm. that's not gonna work <laughs> i need to go and actually use the june title page for this clearly um so yeah, but Good effort. I was actually saying to someone this morning in a meeting that clearly was very, um, <laughs> very work heavy mm-hmm. that I definitely read more in the summer than in the winter. Yeah, I, think... I do too, actually, which should be the opposite, shouldn't it? Right. You should be like, oh, so cozy with a book. And I do get like that. But I think when you're like sunbathing in the summer, you can't be on your phone because your phone no. gets hot and you can't even see the screen. Agreed. You can't just lay there because it's boring. So you might as well read. Yeah. And I think in the winter... There's always, at least I have the temptation of just putting on a film or a TV series and vegging on the sofa. Um, whereas in the summer, I'm much more likely to get out yeah. and read read outside. I'm literally going to my parents' house tomorrow with the intention of reading in the garden. Yeah. Because it's too hot. It's too, too hot. hot. It's me every lunchtime. I'm like, oh, it's sunny. Get in my bikini and read a book. I love that. <laughs> Quick, quick power hour and then back to it. Very sweaty at the laptop in the afternoon. <laughs> right, books. Book, book, book. I was thinking that we should maybe kick off with a buddy read. Um, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I love this book way more than I thought I would. Me like, too. I adored it and I've been dying to discuss it. So Lauren, will you please drop the snop for The mm-hmm. Happy Couple by Nisha Dolan? Meet the happy couple. Leak, leak. 
that's their combined names there Luke and Celine are in a mutual unrequited love with each other set to marry in a year's time the best man Archie is meant to is meant to want to move up the corporate ladder and on from his love for Luke yet he stands where he is admiring the view the bridesmaid Phoebe Celine's sister has no long-term aspirations beyond smoking her millionth cigarette and getting to the bottom of Luke's frequent unexplained disappearances the guest Vivian who with the benefit of some emotional distance methodically observes her friends like ants as the wedding approaches and these five lives intersect, each character will find themselves looking for a path to happily ever after. But does it lie at the end of an aisle? Mm. So I as like mentioned, that, in our... I hadn't read that before. Oh, I had actually, because I didn't really realise what the book was about until I opened it. And we like, they explain which each character is. And I was like, oh, I'm going to love this. Yeah. And like I put in our review, it's if you liked Cleopatra and Frankenstein by Coco Mellors, you'll probably like this because yeah. it's about this one couple and how their union affects their closest loved ones around them. And yeah. so you get to like dive into each character and it's very fun. And so I thought mm. maybe we should like go through the characters yeah. like, as our discussion. So the book is divided into six parts. Part one is from the perspective of the bride. So Celine, part two is the bridesmaid. So Celine's sister, Phoebe. Part three is the best man, Archie. Part four is the groom, Luke. Part five is the guest, Vivian. And part six is the wedding day. And that one kind of threw me because I was like, whose perspective is this? And it was a bit of everyone's. Which I liked because then it was almost like normal book, if you will. And I'm doing quotation marks there. Yeah, it was very good. Okay, so let's start with the bride, Celine, who we meet first. Yeah. Celine is a pianist who takes her work very seriously, so much so that she wears gloves everywhere so that she doesn't hurt her hands. Yeah. I also think it's a little bit of an excuse to just get Luke to do all the dirty work. Like she, I loved it. He, for that. I loved yeah, it for me that. too. <laughs> like there's one point where Luke says, like when she lived alone, she would have put the bins out, mm. but she doesn't put the bins out because of her hands. And he's like, kind of bullshit but I accept that it's bullshit and I'll do it anyways and yeah. I respect both parties there yeah I th- I, I thought that was smart from Sarah <laughs> yeah and she I mean it's that part I also think that she's not clever's not the right word but she isn't manipulative enough to have actually got that thought process she's no like, no oh, I need to set my hands because she's actually a bit of a like airy fairy just kind of living through your life like doing what people she's expect just, of her do you know what I mean yeah she's just it's not that she's not with it she's very with it very smart it's that she doesn't care like she doesn't care about normal things quote-unquote normal things that typically take brain power in the average person's mind her whole brain is focused uh, focused I'd say 90 percent on the piano and playing the piano and when she's not playing the piano having a piano score playing in her head that everything else is just a distraction from that yeah and I kind of think Luke doesn't really help her but like the way they get engaged 
like I think I think that's how the book starts off with or they explain it very soon yeah. after and it's pretty much just like this sort of I don't know like conversation where it's almost like not even asked type thing no it's not but I think that like it just shows how perceptive Celine is because basically the book starts by saying the day we got engaged this happened and the chapter ends with how they actually got engaged and it's Luke saying to Celine yeah but we won't last like we'll we won't be together forever so we'll never get married and Celine you sort of understand her thought process that she understands that Luke is the sort of person that will void like he needs to hear the other person counteract him and and disagree with him which Celine does by saying yeah. well no we will get engaged I, I want to be with you forever and then Luke's like oh okay then let's get engaged and that's sort of how their relationship operates yeah and I don't understand how when yeah. they're actually both as wishy-washy airy-fairy as each other but then completely in tune with each other when the other one isn't does that make any sense yeah like one of them is locked in contradiction yeah and it somehow fucking works I don't understand how it's chaos but it's not it's It's like totally normal yeah which go on no I was gonna say so let's move on to Luke but if you've got another thought on Celine no I was about to say which brings us on to Luke oh (laughs) (laughs) So Luke, um, Luke goes missing at there. He doesn't go missing. He just cannot be found at their engagement party, which kind of sparks it. That part of it comes into every other character's little section. And yeah. like Selene is like looking for him everywhere, but also isn't even really that concerned. Do you get, do you get what no, I mean? No, she like, doesn't oh, really care. Where is he? <laughs> like, so bizarre. She um, does care, but it's like, she doesn't actually do it. Like she doesn't do anything actionable. No. To figure out what's going on. No. She texts him and then he doesn't reply. And she's yeah. like, oh, he hasn't replied. He's probably got a work thing. Which is just so bizarre because it's their engagement drinks. And they live in Dublin and they held their engagement drinks in London. For Because that's where her, her, her aunt and uncle live. So just a bit odd. All of it, they've just got a very quirky relationship, shall we say. And yeah. yet Luke, you sort of find out at the very beginning of the book, he's only really got two friends, both of which are exes, a guy called Archie and a girl called Vivian. So also that's, um, Celine sort of says at the beginning, well, yeah, that was kind of a red flag, I guess, that he's only two friends of people that he was once in a relationship with that's probably not a very good sign but again she doesn't really address the red flags that Luke gives her like yeah case and point him disappearing from their engagement party and not saying goodbye well I guess her ex came to the engagement party as well so her yeah. ex is she called Maria I think Maria. and she was also a pianist and they were like very competitive with each other not a healthy relationship and yeah. because she lives on the same street as her aunt she gets invited to the party and actually I was just flicking through my book and I saw that like one whole I mean chapter if you will obviously the chapter before ends with like I'm telling you it says I'm telling you Maria won't come that's chapter four chapter five of course Maria came 
Yeah, and then it goes I on to chapter that. six. <laughs> yeah, the short chapters were an absolute delight in this book. Mm. It just made it so digestible. Yeah, and um, there was a quote actually towards the end of um the one of the chapters where I think it was from the perspective of Celine, where it says to Maria, Celine had been a mirror. Luke looked at Celine without needing to see himself. So you sort of understand the differences in their relationship that Maria and Celine together were very much the same person and needed the same things from each other. Yeah. Whereas with Luke, he didn't, he just saw Celine exactly as she was and didn't want to change her um, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, which... At the time, I thought that's very romantic. And then you read the book and you're like, mm, I'm not sure this is a romantic relationship. I'm just not sure how I feel about this. Yeah, I really like it because it works in such a weird fucking way. But I'm yeah. thankful I'm not in it. I'm, yeah. <laughs> um. Actually, I want to read a quote from the engagement party. Um. Where it's actually sorry it was their flat warming and a friend teases Celine about having stolen Luke's freedom now that they've moved in together and this quote says this quip would be impossible to make with Celine and Luke's roles reversed or rather it would be too easy if you say Celine is really tying you down Luke you need to carefully indicate that you're joking but if you say Luke is really tying Celine down the words do all the humor for you you can't possibly be serious in heterosexual monogamy the woman forfeits at least as much freedom as the man but her agency isn't valued enough to be considered a loss and that I just loved that I think and that kind of summarizes the tone of the book as well it is written so well and it's almost like this carefully constructed argue uh argument or um analysis of gender roles mm. and how women are perceived in relationship in comparison to men which is like a, an ongoing commentary that um is made throughout the book yeah and easily done when the characters are, which you know what's actually quite interesting is that they're all very fluid in their sexuality. Yeah. In that like two of them are bi, one of them's gay. And I think maybe the other two, but like, it's, you know, it's all kind of movable and you're like, cool, yeah. And, yeah. but like, they still play to their gender stereotypes, regardless mm. of if they're gay, straight or bi. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's a point where Luke is also described as a fuck boy. Mm. Um, and he's bi, but he acts as the fuckboy in both his relationships with men and women. Yeah. And I think it, um, when at the engagement party where uh, Celine asks Maria, her ex, what her first impression of Luke is, he says, she sort of says that he's attractive and he clearly used to be a fuckboy, but always subconsciously knew that he'd settle down. And she sort of says, well, that's the thing with fuckboys, that they're, they're not afraid because they know eventually at one point yeah. they can just turn a switch and, you know, turn it around, yeah. which is very, very witty observation, I thought. Yeah, fuckboys are really clever, actually, aren't they? Mm. Well done to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, Should we talk about Phoebe? 
I'm dying to talk about Phoebe. God, the best way to talk about Phoebe is that most throughout Phoebe's whole section, she loves a pros and cons list. I loved this. I'm going to start with the first pros and cons list that we introduced you. Three years ago, when Celine began dating Luke, Phoebe had just started university. Bridget had wanted Phoebe to go to Trinity, but there were differences of opinion. So we're going to go across from Bridget's opinion and Phoebe's opinion here. Should I read Phoebe, uh, Bridget's opinion and you read Phoebe's and we do it line like one okay. back and forth? It's page they... 74. Okay. Got it. Right. You go. Should I read Bridget? Okay. Yeah. Trinity is Ireland's best university. Trinity is Ireland's manufacturing centre of wank. Phoebe has academic potential best unlocked at Trinity. Phoebe has fucking legend potential, best unlocked by being a fucking legend. Phoebe should study medicine. Phoebe would rather shit on her hands and clap. No need for that kind of language. Aunt Maggie says it. Maggie's Maggie. And Phoebe's Phoebe, and Phoebe doesn't want to go to Trinity. (laughs) And like, she just keeps doing these really unwarranted lists throughout. Like, There's another one where she compares herself to Archie, and I just, I loved her. I, loved I did too. <laughs> and she's very blunt. She's a lot younger than Celine. Um, she doesn't like Luke, and Celine is aware of that and says Well, they're not the even beginning. close, are they? Her and Celine. No, not, not really. Not really close sisters. Yeah. Um and I just liked how the chapters sort of go back in time. Like mm. you'll they'll say something that's happening in the present and then that character will be like, but for you to understand this, we need to go back and that will be where the chapter ends and then the next chapter begins like yeah. three years in the past. So it was just written so cleverly. Yeah, yeah. So actually in Celine's one, we're like, where the fuck is Luke at the engagement party? Mm. But then we go to Phoebe and she goes to find Luke herself. She yeah. sees where Luke has gone and she goes and she follows him. And she and finds out one piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And then we go to, I can't remember if it's Luke I think it's next Archie, or Archie. Maybe. And you find out another piece of the puzzle until eventually you hear from Luke and you hear the whole piece mm. of the puzzle. But equally, he's a bit of an unreliable narrator. We do love that term, don't we, Jess? We love A-level English lit coming back. We love an unreliable narrator. <laughs> I mean, when there's five, who do you trust? You know? Exactly. Um, which is funny because actually going back to Luke, there's a scene that plays out in Celine's chapter of when Celine takes Luke to one of her concerts for the first time. And she sort of tells him about the piece afterwards. He's, he comes up to her and says, that was really good. And she sort of says, oh, you know, it was this and sort sort of, jargon to him and then we see that same scene again from Luke's perspective Mm. and all of it is it's like him saying you were really good and then it's Celine brackets talk some gibberish talk some gibberish about music like he doesn't retain it at all I'm really sorry if you can hear the drilling outside my flats it's annoying for me as much oh okay cool (laughs) um yeah I actually don't have that much to say about Archie because some of it's a spoiler, I guess. Yeah. But just he's he's... a lawyer. He's coked up all the time or drunk. He's the most chaotic of the lot. 
yeah and brings a chaotic energy whereas the others are chaotic because they just like bring zero energy if that makes sense yeah <laughs> and he is Luke's ex but they're still best yeah. friends still best friends and I mean it actually says it in the synopsis doesn't it Archie loves Luke never really got over Luke yeah and has been asked to be the best man and like of course you can't say no to that um, makes sense right yeah so let's move on to Luke because I've just remembered flicking through that Luke's whole Archie? chat. No, Luke, because I think Archie's bit is a bit of a spoiler. Okay. That Luke's whole section is him trying to write his wedding speech. Yeah, I love that. And so he starts each little chapter with um, <laughs> like a new sentence. Like page 134 is just, I'll keep this speech short because... And then it goes on to the next chapter. <laughs> so, yeah, that wasn't right. Yeah. And it's it just like, like the pages of his speech that he's then scrunched up and thrown away. Yeah. And each chapter is untitled 36, untitled 37 to give you an idea of just how many versions of this <laughs> speech he's tried to write. Yeah. And I guess we can't talk about the real crux of Luke's bit because that would be a spoiler as well. Mm. But like Lauren said, it really like, fills in I think you would have an opinion of Luke you'd you'd have an interesting opinion of Luke from the first from Celine's point of view and then when Phoebe comes in you'd probably hate Luke yeah and then when you meet Archie you're probably like okay I'm kind of understanding why Luke is the way he is and then you meet Luke and you're like fucking hell bro there's actually a lot going on up there in your head yeah. so I think it's really clever how we meet Luke fourth I couldn't agree more like it's all of these characters just trying to understand Luke and not getting it right. Yeah. And thinking that he is just so, like, so laid back, he's almost horizontal. But then when you meet him, he's actually just, he's got a very conflicting internal monologue and actually is quite insecure, I'd say, and his insecurities make him come across as very disengaged from the people he's with. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I think the person who probably gets Luke the most is Vivian, who is the fifth person we meet, yeah. who actually, like, we really don't know that much about. She's not particularly close to either of them. No. She's like, she did live with Luke for a while with all the other guys. And... But clearly, because she is just this observer that's always there, she's she, she's more of an observer than a participator. And she just sort of picks up on everything that's going on and is actually yeah. the one that Luke feels he can confide in, even though definitely not the closest one to him. Exactly. And he's she's not going to give him an answer that he wants to hear. He's gonna, She's just going to say it how it is because she doesn't really care. Yeah. We love her for that. Yeah, and she is the only one who really saw Luke for who he was when they were dating and then was like, you know what, I can't be asked with this. Goodbye. And was able to like very quickly draw a line under their relationship and just be friends. Yeah. Yes. Very true. I um mm. I've just remembered that I actually so we read the Rachel incident, as you know, we've interviewed Caroline about it. And then the next book I read was this book. <laughs> it was like I was living in Ireland. <laughs> and I think so like Sometimes I would think of Luke as Carrie. I can like, see that. You know, yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes Phoebe was like a bit like James. I don't know. There was like, 
it was loved that it was fun to read them back to back but probably like a bit of a mind fuck yeah yeah <laughs> um but i fucking loved it i've actually got a funny quote that i want to read that like yeah, really made me laugh and i actually just brought it up the other day because i was watching an episode of family guy where this song was in it but um um this valid invalid stuff Artie said it's rubbish contracts are valid passports train tickets he warmed to his theme and slapped the table with each new item driver's license doctor's note credit card id proof of address pythagoras theorem the law of supply and demand luke interjected this sounds like the most depressing possible version of we didn't start the fire <laughs> and then i had we didn't start the fire in my head for like three days straight and i was like oh that really made me giggle <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah in family guy i think i can't even remember what the episode was though and i was like oh that was like my book um yeah lo- lots of funny lines yeah. and observations as you'd imagine yeah i reckon um you gotta be funny to and smart and witty to write a book like this yeah so i haven't read exciting times and now i'm like should i is this better are they the same what's what's the vibe difference Very- different I'd say actually Mm. the characters in exciting times were a lot darker and they were a lot more you know sort of when Phoebe's at her lowest yeah all the characters in exciting times were a bit like that so it's a bit more depressing but it was a bit more of like just a fucked up relationship they were it's like a character enters into a Thrapple, really, she's dating two guys at once. Um, yeah, I can't, I don't want to give away any spoilers because no. I can't remember what part. And I think you, you have spoken about it on the podcast before, yeah. so people can go and listen. To that. I assume it was in our like first women's prize one, maybe because it was long listed. I think that might be when you mentioned it, maybe. Um, but, but I, I definitely I, think I it's going to be in my top 10 books of the year. Definitely, I loved it. Yeah. Very, very good. So there we go again. Our top 10 are the exact same. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. But uh, non-buddy read, Lauren, would you like yeah. to go first? Okay. Um, I read Still Life by Sarah Winman. And this is the synop. 1944, in the ruined wine cellar of a Tuscan villa, as bombs fall around them, two strangers meet and share an extraordinary evening. Ulysses Temper is a young British soldier. Evelyn Skinner is a sexagenarian art historian and possible spy. She's come to Italy to salvage paintings from the wreckage and relive memories of the time she encountered E.M. Foster and had her heart stolen by an Italian maid in a particular Florentine room with a view. Evelyn's talk of truth and beauty plants a seed in Ulysses' mind that will shape the trajectory of his life and of those who love him for the next four decades. Moving from the Tuscan hills and piazzas of Florence to the smog of London's East End, Still Life is a sweeping, joyful novel about beauty, love, family and fate. Historical fiction then. Yes, very much historical fiction and needless to say, 100% of the reason I read this is because I was going to Florence and I was going to Tuscany and... I wanted a book that was going to make me idolise or like soak up the culture a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it did. Nice. Um very beautiful, very very chunky book. Um 
and it's extremely character driven i'd say i i think the blurb makes it sound like there's more of a plot to this story and i there isn't really i guess the story is really structured around moments in history and you sort of those are sort of um landmarks throughout the book that then affect the characters but there's not it doesn't really have anything to do with the plot and the plot is about how these characters relationships weave in and out of each other's lives over 40 years um and it but it was just really beautifully written and like the character development was so nice and I loved Evelyn like she's you sort of meet her at the beginning of the book and she's like coming to the end of her life and she has had this phenomenal life of like maybe she's been a spy but she won't admit it um and just like she's had lots of relationships with women and just very worldly and yeah I just fell in love with her I just thought she was really really interesting Evelyn Skinner or well I actually pronounce it Evelyn or Evelyn Hugo because they sound kind of sim oh yeah Evelyn, Evelyn. But like as in know. as in like what they're like, the fact that she's like a bit worldly and wise. That's how I think of Evelyn Hugo. Mm, Who's yeah, your good point. Oh, probably Evelyn Hugo. Yeah, I mean she's the queen of the world. She is. Yeah. <laughs> um I'd say it being a historical fiction, it didn't grab me as much as it would if you were a diehard Hispit fan hmm. but I still enjoyed it nonetheless um sort of in spite of that because the character development was just so on point and I like I don't want to give away any spoilers between um about Ulysses and like sort of the relationships in his life and but yeah it was if you like character driven, if you like historical fiction, this is definitely for you. If you like a chunky book, this is for you. If you like Italy, this is for you. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. Well, well That's chosen really for your trip. Did you read it there? Or did yeah. you read it when you got nice? I did. Okay. Well, my book that I'm going to talk about is actually, I can't really talk about it because it is The Shadow Cabinet by Gino Dawson, ah. which is the sequel to Her Majesty's Royal Coven. Um, and this, like, you can't really talk about the synopsis without giving away what happened in the first book. And if people haven't read the first one, I think it's really unfair to give that away. And so actually I went onto Waterstones and was like, like on their website, I was like, right, well, what have they put as a synopsis? Okay. And like to see if like, maybe that's safe. Yeah. And the synopsis on Waterstones gives away the big no. twist at the end. Like it says, because such and such and such and such and so and so and blah, blah, blah. And then it carries on. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, if you haven't read the first book, you ruined that huge big twist that happens right oh at the God. end that makes you want to read the second book. So guys, if you haven't read the first one, do not go on to Waterstones or maybe anywhere that has the synopsis. Yeah. I don't even know. I should have looked on my book, but it's in the other room. Um, I wonder if it's in that as well. So don't, do not look. Do not touch. Yeah. If you like the first one, you will like the second as well, I've got to say. But yeah. Um, but I will just remind people what the series is about in case they haven't heard me talk about the first one. Um, so it's basically like modern day witchiness. 
Um, Her Majesty's Royal Coven is a secret coven of witches protecting the crown and country from magical forces. There are whisperings of a prophecy that wraps up five witches in the sisterhood, making life as a modern witch a tad more demanding. And it's very funny. It's very Gina Dawson. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of mentions of, I mean, I already said this, like lots of mentions about the Spice Girls and Tammy Girl. But there was um, in the second book, a little extract that I can read because it's not got spoilers. And it kind of very easily wraps up how Gina Dawson's managed to write like modern day witches with a bit of nostalgia. She's she's Mm -hmm. very good. It's, um, she didn't need to touch Milo to read him, but he was right there and it was easier this way. She placed her fingers delicately on his temple and she was surprised by how warm he was, how soft his skin, she closed her eyes. When you read Mundanes, it's like flicking through Heat magazine without paying for it in W.H. Smith Mm. you half want to know why Posh is mad at Bex. It's all snippets and images, two dimensions and three. Milo was no different. And as she goes on, I was like, oh, Heat magazine, man. Okay, it's a lot to buy a heat magazine. And like, I don't, I mean, maybe people do still read magazines, but they're definitely not as big as they used to be and like no. reading through them in a shop and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And That's like, kind of what Instagram is for now, isn't it? That's yeah. how you get your celeb goss. Exactly. And it's like the fact that she can liken how a witch would read someone's mind to someone like flicking through a magazine yeah. I was like oh she's she's nailed this she's done yeah, fantastic she really work has. I love that <laughs> and the whole book is like that basically is and it? also what I really loved about the sequel is that she's because I was like oh my god I so there's been about a year between the first one and the sequel yeah I only read it six months ago in the winter and even in six months I was like oh my god am I gonna remember who everyone is and what their special skills are and like how they all intertwine girl this might be a bit of hard work and she starts it off by listing all the characters what their special skills are and what the last Bravo. thing that happened to them was so it's like, yeah it's like this is so and so and he knows that so and so is a witch this is so and so and he doesn't know and it's like thank nice. you and then whilst you were reading the book would you like flick back to that page to remind yourself of haven't oh, i like so and so does didn't know even need know. to Oh. But like I did when I was reading that, I was like, okay, cool. And I'm just going to flip back to this anytime I don't yeah. remember, but never needed to. It was like, that okay. was enough to just kind of trigger maybe because yeah. it had only been six months for me. Yeah. And which did you prefer first or second? Oh, this is a tricky one. I think the second, but purely because one of the characters who I, I can't I can't say much because the plot twist in the first book is like happier more themselves in the second book and I enjoyed that kind of like you know I like happy ending so I enjoyed that for them and in the first one like when you compare the two I'm like oh, I kind of like that you are who you yeah who you need to be and that you're feeling better and stuff so mm-hmm. I think basically just purely for that character the second book and yeah. also there's so much extra drums of like people outside of the witchy world and people in the witchy world and right. yeah very nice very good it's very good, good. i'm you. assuming there's a third one i think it's a trilogy i think it was sold as a trilogy but yeah i remember dire i'm now gonna have to wait a year yeah you will so really hope that she starts us off with a little list of who everyone is again <laughs> i i i think she will she's a good lass mm. good month okay. all Cracking in all month yeah man and we've got 
I mean, great month for interviews as well. First Man and Caroline yeah. O'Donoghue. Very exciting. And we've got more interviews in July. Yeah. We just don't stop. Two more. Yeah. Coming up. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Hey, so uh, stay tuned and I hope you've all had a lovely June. so much for listening if you enjoyed today's episode then like subscribe leave a rating and review it costs you nothing but it genuinely means the world to us and make sure you share our podcast with your reading buddy because they might like to listen too and if you don't already then follow us on instagram at book recos for funnily enough more book recommendations see you next week we'll be here